The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There is an unseen hand to me that leads through title of this is Where Were the Eleven? Probably thought that was the New Testament. That was going to be the New Testament, but no, I'm going to be in the Old Testament here, talking about the 12 tribes of Israel. Where were the eleven? And I'll be going through verses 1 through 28. In verse 1, when the people saw Moses delay to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, which also we saw ten of the greatest miracles ever recorded in history. That's not in the actual note there. We walked on dry land. I mean, you know, come on now, people. This, we saw the bodies of the greatest army in the world laying on the shore. Completely destroyed, 600 chariots, all their army, and we didn't lift a lousy finger. But what's that? As for this Moses, we what not what is become of him. Things in this life are not going to go as we think they should, and everybody said. <laughs> if you've lived any time at all, you realize things are not going to go the way you plan. Everybody makes plans. They make plans. You know, we, we're planners. We, you got plans for tomorrow? You got plans? Yeah. Make plans. You got plans? We got, I know people who got plans of going up to Orlando tomorrow. What happens is, you know what you don't know is there's going to be a, a fatal accident on the way up on I-75. You're going to say, instead of being up there uh, watching the, the whale jump around, you're going to be sitting in traffic for five hours cooking. Just a thought. The first mistake we make in life is we got all these expectations and stipulations on God the way he should work. And this kind of connects with this morning a little bit. We tell God kind of the way things really ought. Now, if you were a good God, you would do this. How many times have we, I heard that in life, talking to people. If you were a good, if God was good, and they question whether he's good. He is good all the time. And by the way, whether I think so or not, my opinion don't mean the reality of the universe is God's good all the time. And where do we learn that? Most is in prison by the old prisoners going in there in the big house. That's one of their main statements they make. God's good all the time. Well, when you're sitting in prison for 25 years, you better start saying that. You're going to get bitter. I am simply to do what God asked me to do and leave the results up to God. These missionaries sometimes will tell me they feel under pressure to have results. People save, baptize, join the church and everything. I mean, who doesn't want results? Who doesn't want that to happen? Who doesn't want the place to be full? 
missionary goes to a foreign country, a foreign atmosphere, different culture, begins to preach the gospel, and maybe they preach the gospel. I think, I think of William Carey and Adoniram Judson, if you've read any kind of history. I mean, these, one of them always went seven years, not the first convert. Pressure, 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 pressure. Part of the pressure is unnecessary. Trust God. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all listening doctrine. And God will give the results as he sees fit. I have tried not to be under the gun of results, though I want results just as much as anybody else does. Whole ministries have sprung up across our country which have violated the methods and means of God's instruction manual the Bible, of course, and have consequently damaged the body of Christ. Um, they've, they've gone outside of the parameters of what God asked them to do to try to get something that God never intended them to do. They use the methods, the means, the music of Egypt. Egypt in the Bible is always a type of the world. When, when, you, when you say that you're like Egypt, that is a bad thing biblically. It's not good things, bad thing biblically. Egypt's about as far away from where God was as you can get. And so, um, the, and, and, they, and they create, because of this moving away from the, the known scriptures and our method means and music that God has told us to use, they create the confusion of Egypt. And, and, and Christians and young Christians are confused about it. You say, what's that got to do with this passage? Everything. Look at verse 2. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the gold earrings which are in the ears of your wives and of your what? Of your what? Of your what? Sons. Egypt had affected them. Egypt was still in them. Remember when they went left Egypt, they plundered Egypt. And all the jewelry and precious stuff of Egypt was given to them. In fact, <laughs> the Egyptians said, please, please take all of our stuff because if you stay here, we're all going to die. They just lost their firstborn cat and their firstborn dog and their firstborn horse and their firstborn donkey and their firstborn child. And if they were a firstborn, they were dead. They weren't saying anything. And so... He said, break off those earrings and bring them unto me. Now, this is, uh, they had leftover from Egypt, by the way. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in the ears, in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them in their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. And after he had made it a molten calf, I want you to under, I want you to circle the next three words. And they said, a lot of people think Aaron said that. Aaron did not say that. They said, Aaron did not say that. Aaron made the golden calf, okay? And, I, and later on in another part of the Bible, the Bible says God would, would have killed Aaron for doing that had not Moses inter, interceded for Aaron. God wanted to take Aaron out. But they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Aaron did not say this. And I, I, let, me say, let me put myself way out on a limb. I have a feeling Aaron was trying to keep them in somewhere, some strange way from forsaking Jehovah. 
And this is exactly what happens today when the, fo- when the followers become more zealous than the well-meaning leaders and go beyond what the leaders say. And under any cost that people uh, will speak the name of Jesus, they'll do anything to get them so-called saved. And even to the place of using the idols of Egypt to encourage the worship of Jehovah. Now, if you don't understand what I'm saying, you will as we go on. Verse 5. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow, this is where I get what I said, is a feast to the L-O-R-D, that's Jehovah. This sounds like new evangelicalism in its prime. New evangelicalism is simply they have a good doctrinal statement and a worldly practice. It's been said revival is when your practice lines up with your doctrine. Ooh, that's a good statement. Revival is when your practice lines up with your doctrine. There are churches all over America that have old doctrinal statements that are still sound biblically, but long ago have they left the practice of serving God and obeying Him and pleasing Him. They still go back to the, we believe the Bible, but they don't really, if you get, if you get careful. This is a great example of that. Here they had a golden calf, and they, they had a feast unto Jehovah, now, that's an oxymoron if i ever seen anything like it. That's, but that's no different than a church just up the way here who says they're worshiping the holy, of ho- the holy God, Lord Jesus Christ, with a, with a rock concert which had its birth in Egypt. Rock music did not come from the throne of heaven. It came from the gates of hell. reason you don't amen so much, you, you still probably listen to a little bit about that. It rose up early in the morning, verse 6, in the morrow, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. Now, this is Jehovah's way of worship. This sounds so strange. This is such a admixture, but it's being practiced the same today. You got them bringing up burnt offerings. Now, burnt offerings, a, a, uh, a terminology of Jehovah worship. Peace offering, that's the terminology for Jehovah worship. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now that is not Jehovah worship, that is Egypt worship. So they had mixed the peace offerings, burnt offerings, which is worship of Jehovah. They got that from him. What they learned in Egypt was the play part. Now what were, some people think it was an orgy, and you'll see why in a minute. They were getting up there, and they had music. They, they got out their drums, their, their electric guitars, and all of that, and they started playing, uh, come on, baby, light my fire. And, 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 and Jim Morrison was there, and, 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 they were, and, and, and they started playing all that stuff, and Jimi Hendrix showed up and, and brought his purple and, and, and prince and purple haze and all purple rain and all started up, and they were worshiping Jehovah with this. Trying to make it real. Verse 7. And the Lord said unto Moses, well, This is how God thought about that. Get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have, what's it say? Corrupted themselves. The word corrupt, look it up. 
It means to ruin, destroy, mar, or spoil. When you take the things of Egypt and you try to put them with the things of God, you spoil the things of God. I think as Malachi says, when you take that which is unholy and you touch that which is holy, what happens? The holy don't become the unholy don't become holy from touching the the unholy does not become holy from touching the holy. But the holy becomes unholy from touching the unholy. I got that right? That's about as complicated as I can get. Past that, we're going to have to ask Brother Schaefer to get up here and explain it because I can't go further than that. But I think that's as clear as crystal. I mean, duh. You can't take the things of God and, and mix it with the things of Egypt and say, well, it attracts people. Well, these people were having a good time too. They, they wanted to go back to Egypt. And I think Aaron, in some twisted way, was trying to unite them around the worship of Jehovah so they just wouldn't completely forsake Jehovah and just go back to worshiping the ten gods, the ten main gods, which, by the way, the plagues of Egypt judged every one of the major gods of Egypt to prove to these people that those gods that they said were gods were never gods. So, they turned quickly in verse 8, out of the way. They turned out of the way, not a way, not a way, the way, which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and worshipped it and sacrificed there unto and said, These be our gods, O Israel, which have brought us out of the land of Egypt. We may compromise, but God will never compromise. Any worship not in God's way is out of the way. There is a way that God has prescribed that we serve and worship him. And when we go out of that and bring in love, the Bible's clear enough in so many places, I don't have time tonight, but love not the world. Egypt. Love not the world. Or the things that are in their world. Why? All of the world is a pride of life, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, which are not of the Father, but of the world. The world passed away, the lust thereof. And that's why God said it's futile to try to bring this stuff that is going to eventually be burnt up and gone and never remembered again into worship of something that's real and true and pure is simply wrong. And God will not compromise. The Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people, verse 9, and behold, it is a stiff-necked bunch of Baptists. Oh, that's not, that's not the way to say it. Stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. My, nobody in the history of mankind ever has been offered that kind of deal and turned it down. Now, you think of yourself being offered by God, I'll make of thee a great nation. Now, God can do that, and it would have delayed it a while. Okay, I mean, it would take a while to probably reproduce 200, 2 million, 2.5 million people. It had taken 430, 430 years in Egypt to produce this group of people ready to go into the promised land. Uh, and so when he told Moses, he said, now, you know, you stand back and just don't do anything, and I'm just going to consume them. Does that give you some idea of how he feels about mixing the world with what he does? Thank God. Thank God Moses and God never agreed. 
if they'd have both got on the same page a couple times, there wouldn't have been nothing left but a black cinder called Israel. Because Moses interceded. There was times when Moses wanted to destroy him, and God, no. And there was times God wanted to destroy him, and Moses said, no. So let's see what he said. He says it right here. Wow. Verse 11. This is the intercession. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thou thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak? God cares about his reputation with the world. And say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember, well, let me just say, this is a pattern for you and I to pray. This is a pattern to pray. Remember, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, or Jacob, thy servants to whom thy swearest by thine own self and said, Unto them I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which they thought to do unto his people. Little did they know how close they came to being burnt up. And Moses turned and went down the mount. The two tablets of the testimony were in his hand, and the tablets were written on both sides, one on one side and one on the other. Were they written? And the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tablets. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people, and they shouted, and he said unto Moses, There is noise of war in the camp. And he said, It's not the noise of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome. But the noise of them that sing do I hear. Now let me make a comment about that. Moses was born and raised in the ruling class of the Egyptians. He knew party music when he heard it. Now Joshua had not. Joshua was a slave and he had been not exposed to the Egyptians in any way like Moses had been. Moses had been exposed in all the learning of Egypt. And so Moses understood the sound when the Egyptians party. And so Joshua honestly mistook it for some sort of a war because my old dad used to say, that rock and roll sounds horrible. That's horrible. Don't even, it's confusion. It's terrible. And that's kind of what this sounded like. He knew the music of Egypt. He knew what it sounded like. And it came to pass, in verse 19, as soon as he came nigh into the camp, he saw the calf, the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tablets out of his hands and break them beneath them out. Wow. Wow. These were written in the finger of God. This, these were holy. These were irreplaceable. They were replaced. But, I mean, he didn't, he didn't know all that, I don't think. He threw them things down. That old boy got mad. That old boy got mad. And by the way, it don't hurt to get mad about evil once in a while. We ought to get mad about evil once in a while. You ought to get mad about transgender bathrooms. The, 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 the silent majority better start talking. The silent majority better start saying, we're not going to live with this anymore. 
we're not going to let 0.3% of our nation cause everybody in the United States to share a bathroom with whoever wants to go in there. We just ain't going to live with this anymore. Pulpits across America need to light up. We're worrying about whether people come back and start telling the truth. Wax Toddy cast the tablets out of his hand. I put my little in my little note here. It says it's still wrong to dance. It's still wrong to dance. They got this thing called holy dancing now. That's because rock and roll's there. Because when you got rock and roll, the first thing you want to do when you hear rock and roll, you never seen anybody dance. You seen me dance. You see me dance. You want to wear sunglasses. I was in a rock group. It was a teenager's garage band. I thought I was going to be famous. Ended up being infamous. I mean, you know, I, I thought I was going to go somewhere. We're going to be, oh, boy, we're going to be. And he took the calf, which they had made, and burned it in the fire, ground it to powders, strode it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink of it. And Moses said unto Aaron, what did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? I left you in leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Had Aaron been the kind of leader that Moses, imagine him coming to Moses and saying, well, we, we want to make a, we want, here's our earrings, let's make it. Imagine Moses would have stopped that right there. Oh, are you guys crazy? You know God, Jehovah God, took you out of Egypt, not some gold calf. And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they're set on mischief. I love that. He blames them. Sounds like Adam. Not this Adam. Sounds like, but maybe, maybe. The wife you gave me, that's the trouble. <clears throat> you know, he says, it's the people. For they said unto me, make us gods that should go before us. As for this Moses man brought us up out of the land of Egypt. We what not? What has become of him? Now, let me say this in my little note here. Aaron fulfilled the wishes of the parishioners rather than the wishes of the holy God he served. Folks, we need to do the will of God if it's popular, if it's not popular. But the, these places like starting going back with Bill Hybels at Willow Creek started in 1974 where he did a survey of the neighborhood and found out what kind of church the average person wants out there and said, Bill Hybels, by the way, is exactly the same age as I am. He's 64 years old. And he built a place called Willow Creek in Chicago. And they started having 15,000 people coming to that church, and they built a, a, a food. They said, well, uh, you're hungry when you go to church, so they built a food court. And, and just whatever the people said they wanted, that's what they did because whatever happened, they just wanted those people to come at the expense of truth. Then it went to Rick Warren. Then it went to Curly Top. And it's just going to keep going because there's always somebody out there wanting that. Fame over truth. 
prosperity over righteousness. And Aaron, you're guilty. The Bible says preach the word. This is Paul to Timothy. Preach the word. Preach what? Not philosophy. Preach the word. The word of God. Preach it. Do it. Be in season, out of season. When it's popular, do it. When it's not popular, do it. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Tough words. With all long suffering, that's patience and doctrine. And doctrine. And doctrine. And doctrine. Well, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, and let me, let me add a little bit to this, the people shall heap to themselves teachers. The people will heap to themselves teachers that they like, having ears wanting to be tickled. They want to hear certain things. We don't want to hear about sin. If you talk about sin, we're not going to come to your services. So what happens? They find a young guy out there that says, I won't talk about sin. You'll pay me hundred grand a year. I won't talk about sin. And they say, okay, you're our new preacher. And, 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 and we don't want you to talk against alcohol anymore. And he says, no problem. We don't, want you to, we don't want you to ride us and talk to us about passing tracks out and, and make us feel guilty for not telling people about Jesus. Okay, we won't talk about that. And we want our women to be equal with our men. We are a feminist-friendly church. We want our women to be preachers like the men. We want our women to be the teachers over the men. We want our women to be absolutely equal basis with the men with no difference between the two. That is the feminist movement, by the way. And the preacher said, Rick Warren, Bill Hybels, Early top. Bill Hybels, to work for Bill Hybels at Willow Creek, you have to sign a piece of paper and say, you are, you are for the feminist movement. Obviously, the women, you don't have to worry about that, right? But I'm talking about the men that work for him. You talk against feminism, and you are out of that ministry. You're gone. Because that turns people off. And we can't minister to these people if we turn them off. I don't see any of that language in the Bible at all. I see preach the word. Let it go. Shoot the gospel gun. Shoot both barrels. Preach it in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine because they're going to heat to themselves teachers having itching ears in the latter days. Ooh. And look at verse 24 there of chapter 32. And I, and I said unto them, what? Soever hath any gold, let them break it off. This is Aaron again. And they gave it me, and I cast it in the fire. And you know, hey, a calf came out. I've heard of, of, of I've heard, I've heard of some excuses that kids give you for doing what they do at school. But that's as bad as any third grader I ever heard in my life. I just threw it in the fire. Boom, comes this calf out. And when Moses saw the people were naked, or as Tom Farrell said, naked, for Aaron had made them naked under their shame among their enemies. Notice that the people, by the way, wherever there's this type of, com com wherever there is this kind of compromise, there is immodesty. The first place the devil goes with you is to show you stuff you shouldn't be showing. People compromise, their dress standards go just like Egypt. Look at the pictures of Egypt. The girls of Egypt didn't wear any tops a lot. They were topless. They were sh completely shaven. 
They were sensual. They wore uh, extreme makeup and tattooing and, and, and all kinds of... The Egyptian women were, were uh, painted ladies, man. Ladies of the night type stuff. Verse 26, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, and by the way, that all was introduction up to this moment. Because here it is. Who was on the Lord's side? And you thought missionaries preached a long time. I'll tell you what. And, and, and who was on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And now look, there's tw- how many tribes are there? Twelve. He says this. Who's on the Lord's side? Twelve tribes come to me. The Bible says, read it. And all the sons of Levi gather themselves together unto him. My question and the message is, where were the 11 other tribes? Where were the 11 you're going to see how Levi got to be ministering to God and how he got to be a privilege of being close to the temp- tabernacle and the temple. Verse 27, And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side, and go in and out from gate to gate through the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and there fell that day in the people about 3,000 men. Now i got to ask you some questions. I bet that jumps out of your vision of who God is. I bet that little statement right there jumps way out of your vision of who God is. God told Levi and his people to take their sword and to slit the throats of their brothers, the other 11 tribes that didn't show up and said they weren't on the Lord's side. Yes, go through and slay them. I'm surprised only 3,000 were killed. Now, folks, if you don't like this teaching, if you don't like what the Bible's saying here, you are coming in direct opposition of Jehovah God. If somehow your opinion runs contrary to what you just read here, then you are taking an offense to the creator of the universe. I think that's real big. I think you changed to conform to him, not he changed to conform to you. Did not the 12 tribes come out of Egypt? Did not the 12 tribes see the mighty hand of God in the 10 plagues? Did not the 12 tribes witness the army of Egypt die? Did not the 12 tribes decide to follow Moses out of Egypt? Did not the 12 tribes eat the Passover together? Was not all the 12 tribes called Israelites? Were not all the 12 tribes Bible believers, or at that time believers in Jehovah? Were not all the 12 tribes chosen people of God? Then where were the other 11? Some conclusions from this are simply this. It's easy to compromise and think everything is fine. Because everybody's dancing, singing, and happy. Temporarily. No one is exempt from the possibility of compromise. 
and I may say usually the majority compromises, not the minority. There's the minority stays with God and does the right thing, but the majority tends to compromise. That's what the Bible teaches. Example, the, the 12 leaders that went in at Kadesh Barnea to spy the land out, how many of them gave a bad report and said we can't take it? Ten. The majority gave a negative report and said we can't do it. The minority, the two said we can do it. Let's go Joshua and Caleb. There's a pattern there. And oftentimes the minority stand alone. Where were the 11 tribes? The sad thing is they all compromised except for Levi. Because of what Levi did here, God said, I want you next to me. I want you to help me. I want you to be right next to me and, and, and his worship and their worship and their position of, of great privilege was given to those. And God will give you great privilege and great tender compassions if you'll stand for the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you. And let the chips fall where they will. Let the chips with your family fall where they fall. Don't compromise the truth. Let the chips fall where they fall with your employer. But don't compromise the truth. Let the chips fall where they fall in this world, in this life, whether they like you or don't like it. But don't compromise the truth. And God will bless you. And let me tell you, 100 years from now, what's going to matter anyway? 100 years from now. There won't be a single person in this room alive. You say, well, I'm eating health food. You'll die before I do. I eat McDonald's. It preserves you. Oh, if I die here soon, am I going to hear it, you know? When I see my wife in heaven, they say, you won't believe what they said at your funeral. If he wouldn't have eaten McDonald's, he may have lived another 20 years. Who said I wanted to? I mean, you can't scare me with heaven. Rather, oh, you get to go to heaven and the mansion is prepared for him and be with his Savior and not have sin anymore. Uh, it ain't too bad. I'm going for that. Death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? Christians ought to worry a little bit less about death. Man, I see Christians fret about dying like it's the worst thing ever happened. Death is the door to heaven. Quit trying to live so hard. I don't mean to kill yourself now. Do not kill yourself. Do not do that. But have you a McDonald's Big Mac once in a while? And a Biggie Fry. Oh, let's not compromise, folks. Let's stand for truth. Let's just stand for the Bible. Father, help us tonight to get the truth and to, and to use it for your glory. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the examples of the Old Testament. Thank you that you care about us. I, people said to me, well, if I was back then, I wouldn't have done what they did. Oh, really? Really? If I was back then, I'd have been like Levi. Oh, oh, really? I hope so. Father, help us to stand, having done all to stand. In Jesus' name.
Amen. You come. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.